What's up, crew? Crypto adoption is inevitable, but it's a wild ride. Bitcoin is your store of value, but Ethereum is where you put crypto to work. Not your keys, not your coins. Invest for the long term, but trade the cycle. This is heavy. We're getting deep here. And then every four years, we do it again. Welcome to the BitLift Podcast. In part one of our discussion about staking your ETH, we discussed proof of stake, how it works, and where the rewards come from when you stake your ETH. Part two was about liquid staking derivatives, or LSDs. We broke down the difference between solo staking and staking via various providers like Lido, Coinbase, Frax, and Rocketpool. Now it's time to speculate. For example, where the ETH that's locked up in the staking contract ever even be unlocked? I mean, I wouldn't have started staking if I thought that we weren't going to have it <laughs> unlocked, right? So you, you can judge from, from actions. Uh, yes, I do think we're going to have an unlock. Will it come in March? I have no idea. Yeah. But I think, it, yeah, will it come this year? I think there's a very, very high chance. It could be April, it could be May. But yes, I do think we're going to have an unlock. I agree. The unlock will happen. Just like people speculated whether the merge would ever happen, and then it did. I believe the unlock will happen as well. On a recent Ethereum Core dev call, they actually decided to push the unlock date forward up on the roadmap. The unlock will now be part of the next big Ethereum update, known as the Shanghai upgrade. I've heard theories that ETH being locked up in the staking contract is bringing on more regulatory pressure. Regulators debate whether certain chains are securities or not, and all that ETH being locked up apparently brought ETH under the same scrutiny. So assuming we're right and the unlock does happen, what happens to all the ETH that's locked up? There's people that say that people who have staked ETH are going to suddenly unlock it and want to sell it. Mm -hmm. I counter that with you're assuming that people who were bullish enough on Ethereum to literally sign away their ETH indefinitely with no guaranteed promise that they'd ever be able to unlock it are suddenly going to want to get out of Ethereum. Okay, you can take that bet if you want to. There's two things I think are likely. One, there are operators out there who have been accruing ETH. Yeah. You know, there's Lido validators out there that don't have 32 ETH anymore. Now they have 35, 36 ETH. And uh, different node operators are going to want to do different things with that accrued value. Mm -hmm. Some are going to want to definitely change that into paying their bills or buying something. And, and so th there's a very good chance that some portion of that accrued reward, I think, mm will get sold yep. and may put some downward market pressure on things. So on one hand, liquid staking providers who have been investing in infrastructure may need to sell some of their rewards once unlocked to pay the bills. But Pete also believes the amount of ETH staked will explode when the unlock happens. I also think that this significantly de-risks staking. Mm. So right now, to stake, you're, you're counting on this hard fork happening. You don't know when if ever, you'll be able to withdraw. Um, but after the withdrawal comes out and, and we've had it in operation long enough to trust it, now if you can withdraw ETH after a week or let's say several weeks, if there's a exit queue or something, uh -huh. it's a much less risky proposition. So now I think you're going to see what happens in other proof of state networks where a far higher percentage of the overall ETH gets staked. I don't mean 100%, but I mean 80, 90%. We've discussed how only around 14% of all the ETH is currently staked. And Pete's saying that's going to jump to 80 or 90% of all of the ETH being staked. That's a pretty huge jump. He breaks down exactly why he thinks that's going to happen. 
one question is, why do you need ETH? Like actual ETH. Okay. You need ETH to pay gas on the L1. That's by definition. Mm-hmm. Um, you will need ETH to stake on the L1. And you will get staking reward in ETH. The way I think about it, literally everything else in the ecosystem can be done with some other token. Yeah. An ERC-20 or whatever else. Yeah. Other than those three things. And, and then as we move to L2s, paying gas on the L1 becomes something that the L2s do rather than individual users. So that's kind of my my theory here. I'm not the only one that subscribes to that, but it is it is rare. I think consensus is probably more 40 to 60% end up staked, mm-hmm. which is, again, in line with what we're seeing in other networks. So on one hand, 14% of all the ETH being unlocked could flood the market and dump the price. But on the other hand, the unlock eliminates a ton of risk. So how should we play it? Do we buy ETH now or do we wait? At the merge, I was sitting and waiting to buy some ETH because I was sort of thinking there was a good chance that there'd be some little glitch that wasn't really a serious threat to Ethereum, Uh but it would get way blown out of proportion by media and everybody would say, oh, Ethereum's going to zero and there'd be a big drop in in price Mm -hmm. until a couple of days later when people realized this really wasn't a big deal. And I thought that would be a great buying opportunity. It didn't happen. The merge went so smoothly that there wasn't even a hint of that. There could be something like that at the unlock uh, for the reasons you're you're saying. There, there probably will be some amount of people that want to sell something, um, but it could also not go that way. Uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see. So if 60 to 90% of all the ETH in existence, if it all gets staked, then what's going to happen to the staking rewards? What's the yield going to be on staking your ETH? It's very possible that ends up being 1%, half a percent. Ah. But if it's easy enough, isn't 1% better than 0%. But then there's also things where like Lido has said, if they have a bunch of validators that each have say 35 ETH, they want to sweep all that up and start new validators, uh-huh. which they can't do currently. So I think you're you're going to see that, which actually will allow them to then pay higher APRs because they can more rapidly, you know, kind of compound their, their earned interest, which is something you can't do now. Personally, I also think these discounts we've been seeing on LSDs, they'll disappear when the unlock happens. As long as the providers make good on their claims, like as long as the Lidos of the world give us a big green button we can smash and do a withdraw, and those withdrawals go through without any issue, we'll start seeing STETH and Coinbase ETH and all these LSDs, they'll rock it right back to PEG, and that risk premium will disappear. Yeah, people will write arbitrage bots once we have withdrawal, and, and I, I agree, those discounts are going to maybe, if not disappear, they're just going to get extremely small. The yield from staking ETH might shrink, but that doesn't mean ETH yield is going away. In fact, one of my theories heading into the next bull market is that ETH and LSDs will take center stage as some of the biggest sources of yield in all of DeFi. There's this concept of solo staking being, quote-unquote, the risk-free rate in DeFi. Sort of like how T-bills are the risk-free rate in fiat, since it's paid by the government that issues the money. Ethereum now offers its own sort of risk-free rate, with no upfront investment costs. And while this risk-free rate might be low, any revenue generated is enough to build on top of. For example, in the lending markets, Compound pays out 0.09% APY for supplying ETH. But Compound also incentivizes that by paying an additional 0.13 APY 
and Comp token. With decentralized exchanges like Curve, the base APY comes from fees charged on swaps. The Frax ETH pool only pays a base rate of 0.055% APY, but Curve incentivizes it with CRV, Convex incentivizes it with CVX, and Frax incentivizes it with FXS. That brings the pool's APY up to over 8% from 0.055% as the base APY. And this is during the bear market where these tokens are down in the dumps. Imagine the APY once these tokens start doubling, tripling, and 10xing. In the last bull market, stablecoin farming was all the rage because of the introduction of pegged pairs. When the price of all the tokens in a pool are pegged to one another, the volatility risk goes away. For example, Curve's 3 pool is made up of USDC, Tether, and DAI. They all equal $1. So you don't have to worry about your principal fluctuating when you deposit stablecoins into the 3 pool. The same thing is now happening with ETH and LSDs. Sure, the rate for solo staking ETH might go down to a couple percent, but more and more swaps are happening between ETH and Coinbase ETH, ETH and Frax ETH. And if you're holding ETH, you might as well drop it into one of these pools since the LSDs are technically pegged to the price of ETH. I'll throw it out there now. Yields around 20% for pegged ETH pools, that's going to be the norm during the next bull market. And that's going to drive demand for ETH, which is in short supply right now, especially as most of it gets staked, and issuance might go deflationary during the next bull market. You see where I'm going here? Another way to play the rise of staking and the rise of LSDs might be to invest in these tokens offered by the providers themselves, though it's still a little bit murky on how to value these. Let's say these crazy theories I just espoused are right. Let's say we end up with 80-90% of ETH staked and that liquid staking uh, becomes the, the foundation for all of DeFi. Yep. How do I place a bet on that being right? Right. And it's harder than you might think <laughs> because going out and just like buying STETH doesn't actually place that bet. Doesn't now you're it. just getting the, you know, you're getting the staking reward. That's the, the again, quote unquote, risk-free rate, not the, I'm willing to take a, a risk on, on being wrong on my thesis. So I looked at this and it's surprising. The TLDR is the ones I found are RPL and probably FXS. So, mm. um, so Lido will start there. They're the biggest staking operator, but the Lido token is mostly a governance token. Yeah, You don't actually get a huge amount of reward if Lido is maximally successful there. They are, they're taking 10% 10, 10 cut. What the hell are they doing with it if they're not, if it doesn't accrue to the Lido token? Who gets that? Yeah, I, I think some may eventually accrue to the Lido token, but it's not <laughs> its not automatic as it is in some other protocols. That's a very good question. Um, so we've covered RPL, that you need RPL in order to run a mini pool, and yep. Rocket Pool needs people to run mini pools kind of desperately, so they're incentivizing with this whole staking RPL, and then also the proceeds to the, the pool do, do accrue to RPL holders. So I think that one is the most obvious play for me, and then I started to look into uh, Frax when, when you mentioned it. And I think that also is probably a way to play this. Now, that that may be connected to some other yeah. activity that Frax has going on. So it's a bit of a, a diluted play, but it's still something in this space. Uh, you could go buy Coinbase stock, I suppose. But that's, again, also very diluted with everything else that they have going on. Mm -hmm. 
So this is a, something I'm actually very interested in, in finding the answer to. Yeah. So far, those are the only two that I found that look like they're really directly connected. So that's where we're at. I'm currently staking 90% of my ETH, split across a couple LSDs to hedge the risk. And why not? It's what the Ethereum network wants you to do with your ETH. It's helping to secure the network. Not to mention, it's setting up ETH for a major supply shock going into the next bull market. I want to thank Pete for helping me break all this down. I don't tweet very much, but you can find me on, on Twitter. Uh, it's Petrotect, P-E-T-R-A-T-E-K-T. Cool. And um, again, I, I'm a kind of an introverted developer, so I'm, I'm not out there blasting on the social media too often, but uh, you can probably find me at East Denver or hang around the uh, Colorado crypto scene. You'll probably find me eventually there too. Be sure to hit up bitlift.com slash podcast for links to everything we discussed here today. And if you got any questions or comments, come find me on crypto Twitter and say what up. That's twitter.com slash bitlift, B-I-T-L-I-F-T. And if you're deep down the crypto rabbit hole, come hang out with myself and a few hundred crypto geeks in the BitLift Discord at bitlift.com slash discord to connect. The hosts and guests of the BitLift podcast are not registered financial advisors. The thoughts and strategies discussed are simply personal opinions and should not be treated as financial advice or recommendation to make a particular investment. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. 